I want you to go this morning with, in your Bibles with me to the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, the book of 1 Timothy chapter 4. Uh, there was a statistic that came out not long ago. Uh, they did a study. And they said that between the years of 2007 and 2017, in a gap of 10 years, uh, 70%, 70% of young adults stop attending church. Uh, they go into youth sessions and youth meetings. They get all hyped up and excited about the things that they have before them. And as soon as they hit about the age of 22, 23, they walk away from church. And many times you find that there are many churches that place incredible emphasis on the youth and the young people. They entertain them, they socialize with them, they encourage social, uh, social living and all the different dynamics that go into that. But what many times they don't tell you is the rates of fallout. And the reason they may not tell you that is part of the reason is because it reflects on what and who they are. And I want you to ponder that with me. That's a staggering number. That's a staggering number. We have to ask ourselves, why do these young people uh, come? They love to see all that's going on. They love to, you know, have this youth thing going on and that youth thing going on and all these things that entertain and fuel their enthusiasm only to down the road leave and walk away from God. I believe the word is found in the in we're going to reflect back to the word of God and I'm not saying this is true there are 30% of those people that stay for the most part I believe they're converted they're changed but I want to home in on the subject of how deep are their relationship with the living God. See the great deception fuels departure. Many have walked away from the faith and their relationship with God. Statistics prove the reality of what I'm saying. Studies evidently show us and reveal these things to us. Many pop stars and singers that you see today you have people, uh, these were young girls that grew up in church. Uh, they were mesmerized by the entertainment. They were mesmerized by the attention. They were mesmerized by all of that. And today you can go online, you can read articles in various different uh, journals and you'd find that there are many of them that have walked away from God because when the time came uh, uh, to uh, life being forefront, uh, they being forefronted with life, they realize that God is not as entertaining as He seems to be. And they walk away. I can tell you stories about these singers that are no longer in the faith today, Hollywood stars. And the truth is, that's what deception is really about. Deceptions are built on lies. The Bible says God despises lies. It is sobering yet true that the many lives that have been lost amongst many other reasons are due to deception. The book of John 
8.44 says, You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Proverbs chapter 6, 16 through 17 says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. Lies this morning is the language of the devil. In him is found the absence of truth. Lies has the ability, beloved, to blind. I used to be a compulsive liar. You hear the testimony a lot being said, I was a compulsive gambler, I was a compulsive alcoholic or whatever uh, you may have been compulsive to. Uh, but I was a compulsive liar. Let me tell you a story. I remember when I was eight years old, and my mom used to work in a bank. And for her to get time off was not easy. But one day I showed up at home and I told her the story that my friends had taken my pencil and had broken the pencil. She, being the good mother that she was, turned up to school the next day to confront the teacher and tell the teacher, how dare you allow them to break my son's pencil? How can you allow that to happen? And I remember the teacher stood there in shock. She said, Ma'am, with all due respect, no one broke your son's pencil, he broke it himself. Is it he broke someone else's pencil and to basically not get into trouble, he broke his own pencils and told uh, and came home to tell you that someone else broke his pencil. And that was, that was something I did very naturally, compulsively lying. I remember times when I was not even not a Christian and I would uh, sit for my exams and I would erase the name after the papers came out. I was so good at lying. Don't look at me like you're not guilty. I was so good at what I did that I knew how to remove someone's name that had been returned on the piece of it, change the name so that I had a grade A in my science paper. But little did anyone know that the results don't lie when you look at the record. And so there is always a payday. There is always a day that will come where we will have to face the reality of our, of our decisions. So lying this morning, as the Bible puts it, is of the enemy, the devil, the Satan himself, is what we begin to retreat and receive and begin to draw lies out of. And so when deception is used, when deception is promoted, it is using the language, the enemy's language, Satan's language this morning. Joseph Goebbels, one of Adolf Hitler's closest and devoted associate, made this statement. He says, if you tell a lie big enough and keep repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. And this is the only way Satan can get us to submit to him through lies. 
This is the only way that he can draw our attention. And so when a Christian doesn't know enough, they get deceived into believing a lie. They get deceived into believing some story that a preacher man stands up and promotes and speaks to them. And because they giggle and they laugh, it's tickling and it's entertaining. They walk away feeling like, ah, this is great. I was reading a story about a man. He began to share how he felt empty and he had been attending church. And the sermons that he had been listening to, no doubt his pastor was an incredibly talented and gifted man in presenting uh, 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 the, the sermon, and while the sermons were entertaining, they were often filled, listen, listen to what he says, pop psychology and personal opinion. And one of the weeks, he decided to visit a small out-of-the-way church, pastored by a simple old man. The pastor wasn't a dynamic preacher. He simply led his small congregation verse by verse through a deep exploration of Scripture, one passage at a time. He said that the day he attended the service, the day that he went to the church, he realized how much he had only been entertained by the preaching and had known so little about God. So listen to me carefully. Deception is a very dangerous thing. And when it's built, you can also begin to convince yourself that it's the truth. So let's talk then about doctrine. Because since we know that deception is built on lies and much of the church world, and much of the promotion we see going on today subject themselves to the lie. Doctrine this morning provides direction and clarity. When you have the right doctrine, you go in the right direction. You see, the Word of God is the great equalizer and regulator when it comes to doctrine concerning our faith. The only way to verify doctrine is by retreating back to the Word of God. What does God have to say about this? What does God say about this matter? What does God say about that preaching? And I challenge you as you're listening to me this morning, after the sermon, read, understand the scriptures that I'm giving you and begin to look at what God says about preaching and about the Word of God and about doctrine. Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. I want you to turn there and consider this text with me. The Bible begins to give us some insight concerning Two different dynamics that oftentimes we fail to understand about. Bible says in verses 1, 1 Timothy 4. Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry, 
commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good. Nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving, for it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. So the Bible is very clear regarding this. The Bible tells us that in the latter times, here we are in a time like this, that we are dealing with a situation and we're dealing with a time where we see Jesus coming home very soon. We know that we're living in the last days. Is COVID-19 a symbol or rather a sign of the last days? Beloved, let me tell you something. Everything that has happened since Jesus has risen from the dead has been building to Jesus' return. So there's no one who can safely say COVID-19 is a sign, Ebola is a sign. Uh, Listen to me, when you get saved, you need to start living for God, living righteously for God because Jesus can come back at any time. And so here we are, the Bible tells us that the departure from the faith is initiated when we begin to give heed. When you begin to give heed to what? Deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Paul is saying that the departure, the walking away from the faith, and I'm going to address a little more on that in a while because you can be present in church and distant at heart. You can be present physically but distant from God at heart. And I want you to catch what Paul is saying, that there are many deceiving spirits that tries to affiliate itself to the Word of God, making it sound very convincing, yet it is far from the truth. There are forms that we find today as I'm sitting down and putting the sermon together, let me give you a few things I've observed in my years of ministry. There is what is known as the exaggeration. There are people out there who preach. There are people out there who minister the gospel and they exaggerate it. They wrap the truth with a lie. It's not what it is. They exaggerate. I've heard people who share stories and testimony. They exaggerate it. Today, they're incredible storytellers. They know what to tell you to attract you. They know what to tell you to uh, get your attention. And so they tell you stories after stories. Listen to me. I've been listening. I've been giving myself uh, to just this, this, this essence of preaching. And I can tell you, beloved, sometimes I listen to a preacher who tells you to turn a scripture in the Bible to a particular passage. You go there in the Bible and all he ever does the whole time is he tells you stories only to leave that service and ask yourself what exactly did he connect with that with that passage nothing he's so good at storytelling he is so talented at drawing attention he is so gifted in learning to somehow attract you so much so He pulls the scripture out 
uses it to his advantage, twists it to his advantage. I'm sorry, but I listen to all these things going on out there. Troubles me. They promote a revelation or a vision that's above the Word of God. They say things that are not even biblical. I saw God come down and He said, I heard a guy recently, he says, God is going to give us $8 million this year in our ministry or something along those lines. What's going on? Promote a revelation that's not even from God and convince people it's God. And you know what people begin to do? Oh, that prophet, that preacher, that pastor, and they fall trapped to that nonsense. Or oh, what about, we're talking about seductive spirits. What about pride and promotion, self-pride and self-promotion? Arrogance in what we see today. Galatians chapter 1, 6 through 9. Bible says, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him. Paul, again, turning away so soon from him, who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. You know why people like to read certain quarters of the news today? We've heard the term, the fake news. Media capitalizes on public's ignorance. Can I say that again? The media capitalizes on public's ignorance. The lesser you know, the more they can deceive you. We hear so much fake that no longer can we differentiate the truth from a lie. This is what the seductive spirit does. It lures you, it draws you, it appeals to you. And as I said, it uses many different forms of mass. It can be in the form of exaggeration. It can be in the form of promoting a revelation or a vision that sounds very relevant today, but it's not biblical, not according to the Word of God. Or it can be in the form of arrogance and pride and self-promotion. You see a lot of this in who? Worship leaders who try to steal the attention from God. I don't know, but I see a lot of churches today, and you, you, I know you might be upset with me, but swaying, dancing, and jumping, and all of those things. Whose glory are we doing it for? Yours or God? I'm sorry, but when I see that, I can tell a fake from a fake. <clears throat> so let's talk about doctrines of demons. I love preaching from the church. 
so much a dominion, I'm telling you. Doctrines of demons. This is a doctrine that susceptibly influences believers. The doctrine that sounds to appeal. But you know what is so subtle about the doctrine of demons is it denies the power of Jesus. Often, and I think this is what's being propagated today very often, and I'll tell you why in a moment. Often it presents itself and it's very hard to catch and it's very hard to uh, uh, identify. When you listen to the sermon, when you listen to the message, it sounds very permissible, it sounds very acceptable. Only to find, if you listen more cautiously, the mention of Jesus is so little, but the mention of self-help and psychology and all of those dynamics in life, removing God from the equation is done so subtly. 1 John chapter 4, verses 2-3, to 3, By this you know, the Spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. So the Bible tells us this morning, and the narration goes back to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 5, that they have this appearance, a form of godliness, but deny its power. This is what the book of John is telling us. This is what it's referring to our understanding to. That they stand up there. They talk about all that you know. they see going on. They share some stories. They promote themselves. They talk highly about the people they know and they rub shoulders with. And all in all, they bring it down to this very su subject that, oh, God wants to help you. But when you think about the context that they're promoting, it seems that the only thing they always try to promote contradicts the power of God. Can I tell you, no psychologist in the world can be far helpful than God. There's no doctors in the world that can ever heal the way God heals. God's the healer. God's the healer. Listen. Listen to the preaching. Listen to what they say. Listen and be a fact checker. Self-reliance, self-dependence. Today, Christians don't even have reverence for God to wake up in the morning and pray. We sleep in and we say we love God. It's a warning, beloved. It's a warning when someone preaches and leaves otherwise. It's a warning when the message is being preached, but the messenger doesn't bear witness to the message. It's a warning when we have hypocrites who claim to say, oh, I am weak. No, you just don't want to submit your life to God. You just don't want God to help you. You just don't want to give yourself to God. You want to make an excuse, this is how I am. Beloved, doctrine provides direction. Doctrine 
provides direction. And when the enemy can somehow begin to penetrate into your life with slight deception, the doctrines that don't seem, the doctrines that don't seem to be dangerous at its surface, but seems to be acceptable, seem to be harmless, seem to be coming from someone who you have looked up to in the past. Listen to me, these doctrines that come at you can distort the direction. A distorted doctrine can cause you to go the wrong way in your walk with God. I'm telling you as I'm reading and I'm beginning to see, I read a lot and I've read about uh, in, in a few months ago, a few, about a year ago maybe, I was reading a book by an author. And this guy has always been a tremendous asset in the kingdom of God. Every time you listen to him preach, every time you listen to what he says, and every time, you know, when we were new converts, we used to listen to the many sessions that he used to teach on, on the subject of honoring and obeying authority. He used to speak on the subject of offense. And he used to be so biblically grounded. And the Word of God used to come so clear from the very core of the Bible. And we used to enjoy going deeper into the Word of God. But in the recent months or years, I begin to read a number of the books he's written. And I begin to realize, my gosh, something is up with this guy. He's preaching a very different message, a feel-good message. Wants to seem, he wants people to look at him and it seems like he enjoys the preeminence, the acceptance. Signs that signifies false doctrine. Let me give you the five D's that I believe you find in the Word of God that symbolizes and signifies false doctrine. Deception is one of it, no doubt. False doctrine is always wrapped in deception. And if you are not going to be sober-minded to identify it, you're going to fall. Division promotes or rather, self-doctrine uh, uh, is oftentimes the sign of false doctrine is seen in division. Where there's always going to be a segregation. There's always going to be disillusionment. The Bible tells us disillusionment where, you know, their minds are so disillusioned, they cannot even tell right from wrong. Self, uh, uh, false doctrine is always covered with danger. Destruction. I'm not going to go into every one of those to elaborate to you, but you understand deception, division, disillusionment, danger, destruction. You've got to learn to look for these signs. You've got to learn to look for these signs to keep us from falling because they always will show us that we're going in the wrong direction. You know, if you decided to go down to KL from Subang Jaya, there are roads that take you down that path. But the moment you get off the highway or the moment you take a wrong road, it can potentially lead you away from Kuala Lumpur. 
And direction is so important because we all are aiming to step into eternity one day and be with Jesus. My uncle got married many years ago and from the get-go, he had conflicts with his wife, many different conflicts in stages, disagreements, arguments, fights. Even on the day that they were about to get married, the wife took the Bible and she threw it across the hall. She wanted nothing to do with Christianity. She was not a Christian. My uncle was. But I know that most of us may say, you know, there's an unequal yoked marriage and so on and all of that. Let's put that for another sermon. But my point is, they got married and after the marriage, life went on, she very quickly became upset with him, wanted very little to do with him. And as time began to go forward, he went to a church, and the church he was attending, the, this, these men would gather, and ladies would gather at a home. They don't even gather in a building or even in a, in a particular place. They gathered at home. And so what they would do is they would gather and it felt like, an, an, uh, uh, like it was some form of an uh, uh, anonymous, you know, where you go and you seek help. And what they were promoting was divorce. They kept on, ra you know, ragging on the fact and kept on going at the fact that, you know what, you need to divorce your wife, you need to divorce your wife, you cannot live with her, divorce her, and they were promoting that. All through that room of these men and women, all of them were divorce cases that were promoted by the pastor of the church. That you cannot live with your wife, you got to divorce her, walk away from her. And they would fuel this, giving them places to stay, where they don't have to go home and be with their wives. They were promoting this garbage. But why did he fall into that? When the Bible says divorce is not of God, I understand there are cases where it ends down that part. I understand we're dealing with two human beings and, and, and I'm not denying the fact that it does, but to promote it, to speak of it with that high regard. I remember that he would say that, you know, the people there, you know, would try to defuse the subject of tithing and giving. You don't have to tithe. And I kid you not, but every one of them today, from what I hear and what I've been told, have lost their families, wives, children, and they celebrate it. Life is so messed up. False doctrine. That's why the Bible says, forbidding to marry, verses 3, commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving. When they come to you and they tell you, you shouldn't do it, you shouldn't do that. Biblical. So one of the things that really inspired my sermon this morning 
is what I call the New Age Christianity. You know, we've heard very often about prosperity gospel. We've heard about the permissive hyper-grace gospel. We've heard the number of sermons or the number of gospels that are false teaching. But I begin to observe and I find that one of the greatest forms of Christianity today that rises up, that takes a certain degree of formation from Christianity is what is known as New Age Christianity. Or rather what I like to call New Age Spirituality. And why do I term it that? I believe that it is the emerging, seeker-friendly Christianity. Gravitate to groups to participate in. You observe, this is what's happening. You know, you look at churches today, you look at the number of organizations and the congregations today, and you can find that there's this new age Christianity. It's not that they don't talk about Jesus. It's not that they don't preach the gospel. But they seem to promote it in a very social setting that takes the flavor of church out of what church is really supposed to be. Church is supposed to be a place you come and be told you're wrong. Church is a place you come and you're told that God wants to meet with you and God wants to minister to you. Church is a place you come to grow in your spiritual life. Church is a place you come to hear the uncut, unadulterated preaching of the gospel. Listen to sermons of the past, beloved. Listen to the many messages that have changed the numbers of lives in the past. The pastor preaches the word of God only and solely from the word of God. And he begins to present the Word of God. And that gospel immensely has the power to change and convert lives. And that is exactly what the church should be doing. That is what the church ought to be standing for, beloved. But we find today that the gospel that seemed to be promoted in many of these churches seemed to engage itself in self-development, self-help. You can do this. It interweaves into diversified set of discourse and practices. It is so entertainment driven. The pastor, you know, has to look hip. He can't be offending people. Can I help you this morning? I know this is not a very uh, well uh, 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 popular sermon and, you know, I'm, I'm cool with that. If that sounds hip to you. But my point is, I ask you to think and to consider what this new age Christianity is doing to our young people today and to the many Christians today, promoting it from a sense of relevance. Aren't we supposed to be Christians that preach the truth? I'm not engaging in a dispute that we shouldn't be staying relevant today. Staying in an old rickety wooden house and, you know, have no technology in church and nothing of that sort. No, I think we have to have a very clean line. That what people must come to church for is to fuel 
their spiritual life. I talk to many people and I find that their prayer lives is, they don't even know how to pray. They are so bound in devotions. They read a certain number of verse a day and they stop at that. Do you know that God speaks? Do you know that God wants to speak to your heart? Oh, you don't hear that from a lot of churches anymore. Prosperity, grace, entertainment driven. And this is what bugs me, that they get gravitated into these groups just because they have something going on there but have no concern about their spiritual life. I'm socially attached. I am socially enjoying myself. Is that all Christianity is to you? Socially enjoying yourself? Philippians 1, 12-18 Paul closes this off and I'm going to conclude here. I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole place, who to whole palace God and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ and most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are so much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ, even from envy and strife and some also from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, Supposing to add affliction to my chain, but the latter out of love, knowing that I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. I'm going to close with this statement as I begin to conclude this morning. The only way to eliminate, identify false doctrine is by embracing the truth. You have to agree to disagree. To be a Christian means to believe what God says in His Word is true, even if everyone around you disagrees. But that's not what's being promoted in many of the congregations today. They are seeming to present this appeal and the relevance of message. And so here we have all these things going on. Interfaith dialogue. Let's sit down with different religions and let's try to find a balance in all and find a place where we can all agree and hold hands and sing Kumbaya. Listen, beloved, there's a place, there's a time 
But I want you to realize that when they come against your faith, because you have become so caught up into pleasing people, into becoming more and more attractive to people, you are becoming more and more willing to compromise and to make your standards unknown and unrecognized. I say to you, when we start doing that, beloved, we start agreeing with the standards of the world. True Christianity is choosing to stand with God even when the rest of the world disagrees with us. That's why the Bible says the falling away is, pres- uh, is, is evident. It is happening. It is taking place. We don't see it. Christians flood churches today. But their relationship with God is so far distant, beloved. Their relationship with God is so far away. They have no prayer life. They don't spend time with God. I remember just recently an elder gentleman who came to church and the Bible, and, and as he began to come, there was a man who came up to me after that. He says, Pastor, this man has been going to church for so long. And when he had asked him to say a prayer, they are friends, you see. And they asked him to say a prayer. He said he couldn't even say a prayer. He said, I don't know how to pray. A man who's been going to church for 20 years. What's happening? Today we get so caught up in catchy phrases. Catchy phrases. Not even biblical. God will help those who help themselves. Are you sure? Catchy phrases. That it's so subtle. Jokes and humor. I've made up my mind to please God. People may not like me. People may not embrace me, but I'm not out for a popularity gig. I'm here to preach the truth. And I'm here to tell you, beloved, you know, with all that's going on now, you know, you've got YouTube followers and Instagram followers. You can ask Siva, uh, I could care less. I could care less. 300, 400, 500, you know what? They may not want to listen to me because they don't know me. But I'm preaching to the church this morning. And I'm more keen. I am more keen in winning the lost world for Jesus than giving them some lollipops now and then see all of them die and go to hell. Listen to me. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. I remember sitting down with a man, my wife and I. We were probably not even married at that time. Pulled us aside, a young man, probably at the age of 17, 18 years old, having dinner with him. And he's beginning to come up to me and tell me stuff that began to bug me. He said, why do you want to tithe? You shouldn't be tithing. And he's promoting getting into debts and getting into credit card debts and all of that. Listen, this guy was an influential figure in the Christian circle. And I remember talking to my pastor. I said, pastor, 
This is what he said to me. And my pastor so lovingly rebuked, brought clarity and direction. But I'm here to tell you, if you're not careful, you can hear this kind of garbage. People who say, oh, you should accept this and accept that. Beloved, we are living in the last days. If they stop us from having church, we will continue to have church. And we will continue to worship God until the day Jesus comes. We are going to stand. We're going to remain. We're not here to entertain. If you wanted to be entertained, go to an entertainment center. Go to a theme park. Have fun. But the church from the beginning of time has been about the Word of God, will be about the Word of God, and will continue to preach the Word of God. Bow your heads with me.